This is a Sunday message from New Community Church in London. To discover more about New Community, visit newcom.church. We're on to a new series now over the summer where we're celebrating some biblical themes. And so this morning we're going to look at celebrating creation. But first, I'm going to take you on a tour of the summer exhibition at Greg's Gallery. And what we're going to look at is three paintings. And we're going to ask ourselves, what does the painting tell us about the painter? So first one, John Constable, Wivenhoe Park. And you can't see that terribly well, can you? But it's a nice, beautiful landscape. What does that tell you about the sort of guy John Constable was? Well, he was a pretty stable sort of guy. He married his childhood sweetheart, fairly content sort of bloke. Let's move on to the next one. Anybody know who this is by? Winston Churchill with a green Mohican. Any guesses? Banksy, yes. So um, what do we know about Banksy? Well, not a lot because he's kept his identity secret. But what can we tell from his paintings? Well, he's got a bit of a sense of humour, hasn't he? And if you look at some of his other ones, he's quite, quite political. Now, the last one, what does this tell us about the painter? Can you still see that? The Scream by Edvard Munch. And you can tell from this that he was a man with a few issues. If you read up about him, he needed a bit of help. My point is, the painting tells you something about the painter. And what the Bible says is that the creation tells you something about the creator. So Psalm 19 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. And Romans 1 puts it like this. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, that's men and women, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what is made so that people are without excuse. The astronomer Galileo said that God had written two books, one, the Bible, and second, creation. Now, I wouldn't go quite as far as that, but when we look at creation, we can see a number of things about God. And as we celebrate creation, we can celebrate our creator. So we're going to look at five things that creation tells us about God and then we're going to look at how creation is interdependent. Then we're going to talk a little bit about seasons and we're going to finish up by thinking about how God is going to redeem his creation. So first of all, creation tells us that God is powerful yet cares for each one of us. Psalm 8 says this, when I consider your heavens the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. And it's this balance that's so amazing that he who made the stars cares about you. Now, some of you already know, there's somewhere between 100 to 400 billion stars in our galaxy alone. And there could be 200 billion billion galaxies. And if you were to travel at the speed of light, that's 670,000 miles per hour, it would still take you 100,000 years to get to the end of our galaxy. 
Now, in the business world that I'm from, the higher up people get, the less interested they are in the detail. They just don't have the capacity. But our God is different. In Luke 12, Jesus says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. And he goes on to say about you and I, Indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. In my case, that's fairly straightforward. But don't be afraid, Jesus says, You are worth more than many sparrows. He cares about every single detail of your life. Other people may not care, but God cares. Psalm 139 says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Isn't it wonderful to just know that you are understood by God? He knows everything about you, and he cares. Second, Creation tells us that God can bring life where there is no life. Genesis 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. This tremendous picture of God's Spirit hovering like a bird waiting to bring life. Whatever situation you are in, if you're in a situation that seems dead... He is able to bring life to it. Romans 8, it says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. He's able, in that desperate situation, he is able to bring life. Next, God tells us that God is our provider. Psalm 145 says, The eyes of all look to you. And you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. God provides for his creation. And so we can have faith that God is going to provide for us. Jesus says in Luke 12, Do not worry about your life, what you, might, what you will eat, and about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? God is our provider. Just recently, as some of you know, uh, I felt I was right to give up my job in the city and move towards semi-retirement. And these, these words have come across loud and clear. I am your provider, says the Lord. So helpful to know that. Next, God, uh, creation tells us that God has a plan. As you are all sadly aware, many people in the UK don't believe in, in God. They think that this world has come into being just by chance. That the animal kingdom and human beings have just evolved by chance. And that is, you know, that is such a grim worldview. Because every person from time to time has some pretty deep questions why am I here? How do I fit into this, all of this? What is the purpose of my life? And I, I hate to say this, but if you think it all just happened by chance, then there is no plan, and arguably there is no purpose for your life. But Genesis tells us that God has a plan and a purpose. He has a plan for you. Psalm 139, which I quoted earlier, says that the Lord formed you 
in your mother's womb. You are not on this earth just by chance. He made you with all your strengths and all your weaknesses and he loves you and he has a purpose and a plan for your life. Just yesterday, I was in the car. There's lots of stuff going in, in um, <coughs> excuse me, going on in our lives. Kath and mine at the moment. I've already mentioned some work stuff, a lot of family stuff happening or not happening. And I was just listening to this worship song in the car and suddenly I had this sense of God saying to me, it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay, son. Now, he didn't say everything's going to turn out exactly how you want it and it's all going to happen in the timing that you expect. And he didn't say there won't be setbacks and obstacles and difficulties and disappointments. But from an eternal perspective, everything is going to be okay. And the relief that I felt, yes, he is sovereign, he's in control. Yes, there are these situations and these difficulties, but he is the boss and he has a plan. Thank you, Lord. Often we can think that God's plan for our life is about doing things for God, but the biggest thing is relationship. The biggest plan and purpose of your life is building your relationship with Jesus. Paul in Philippians 3, after listing a number of his achievements and qualities, says he considers them to be rubbish. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. This is the plan and the purpose of your life more than anything else, is to get to know him more, to know more of that surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. Lastly, in this section, creation has mystery. So over the centuries, men and women have begun to understand more and more about the natural world. But there's still loads that they don't understand. So there's mystery. In terms of depth, 80% of the world's oceans are unexplored and unmapped. And I came across something rather interesting about something called dark matter. Now, I'm not a scientist, so I don't really understand this, but apparently neither do scientists. <laughs> In the CERN website, the CERN, that's a European research body, it says, it says this, galaxies in our universe seem to be achieving an impossible feat. They are rotating with such speed that the gravity generated by their observable matter could not possibly hold them together. They should have torn themselves apart long ago. They think something we have yet to detect directly is giving these galaxies extra mass. Isn't that interesting? Scientists are saying, oh, we don't understand how the universe holds together, but something we don't understand seems to be holding it all together. You can sort of sense a couple of scripture verses coming on, can't you? The Hebrews 1, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Colossians 1, in him all things hold together. But my point is this. Creation tells us that there's mystery, that there's things we just don't understand. And in our Christian life, there are things we just don't understand. And we have to just accept this is a mystery. So the whole area of suffering, why do bad things sometimes happen to good people? There, we can see some reasons, but in the end, some of it is a mystery. You could ask me afterwards, Greg, could you explain the Trinity to me? And I would get so far, and then I'd have to say, 
I give up. It's mystery. As Psalm 139 says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. We have to get to that point. Yes, we want to understand as much as we can, but we have to get to that point where we say, we just bow down in worship and say, Lord, you are above. Your thoughts and your ways are higher than ours. Okay. God's creation is diverse, yet it's interdependent. In Genesis 1, after the many, sta- many of the stages of creation, God says, it was good. Now, we have to explain that the Hebrew word that's translated into English as good means far more than the English word. It actually also means beautiful, working the way it was created to, morally pure, and in harmony with God. Each individual part of creation is, the Hebrew word is tov, good, but all those other things as well. But at the end of Genesis 1, it says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good, very tov. So let's just think about this for a minute. Each individual part of creation is great, but it's that God's done something truly amazing in building this ecosystem where it's not just individual things, but they all blend together. There's a harmony about it. All those plants and fish and birds and insects and animals all fitting together beautifully and harmoniously and somehow all have food to eat and places to shelter. God's created thousands of different species, yet they're all interdependent. They fit together as part of an ecosystem. And sometimes what seems insignificant is actually highly significant. So let's think about bees for a minute. Now you may say, oh, you know, bees are pretty small, insignificant, they're a bit annoying if they're buzzing around you in the garden. Yeah, and yeah, they produce honey, but yeah, we could live without that, couldn't we? But many of you will already know bees are incredibly important. Bees and other pollinators pollinate three quarters of the plants that produce 90% of the world's food. So if the bee were to disappear, it would be catastrophic. What seems insignificant is in fact vitally important. A few weeks ago, Dave Holden was reminding us about how we are members of one body. And it's obvious in your body about how all the different parts have an essential role, yet are dependent upon each other. We aren't meant to operate alone. Every single member of the body is extremely important. Christians are meant to live in community with each other, sharing their lives together. Let's look at Acts 2, verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There was an interdependence about the early church. Many years ago, Kath and I went to Romania with a team from this church. And it was obviously a really, really tough place to live. But the Christians we met there were very interdependent. They clearly spent a lot of time together, they relied on each other, and they shared their lives with each other. And you've kind of got the feeling that life is so tough here that if we don't have each other to help us, maybe we're just not going to make it. They, They had grasped this biblical concept of being 
interdependent. But the culture that we live in, in the UK, is pushing us to be more independent, where we can end up not living like Acts 2, not involved in each other's lives, helping and supporting each other. And I think we can learn from creation that we're meant to be interdependent. God's intention is that we play our individual parts fully and that that impacts the whole community. You may not feel particularly significant, but actually the Bible says we've all got an essential role to play. It's easy to look around at church and say, oh, you know, they're so good in all these different areas. I wish I could be like them. No, no, God created you to be you. And you may not feel that you're significant, but actually you are a vital part of this community. God has created you to be like you. This past year and a half, I've found very difficult, but I think that we can learn some lessons for it. To be really honest with you, I think I took meeting in person for granted. And then when it's taken away from you, it's like that old Joni Mitchell song, um, don't it always seem to go, you don't know what it's got till it's gone. It's only when it's taken away you realise, wow, it was such a privilege being able to meet together, just to worship together, just to, to talk with one another, to pray with one another. Now we can meet together in person. Let's not take it for granted, but let's see it as a real privilege. Next, God often works through seasons. As we look around the natural world, we can see that there are seasons, and each season is important. But I wonder if sometimes spiritually we want it to be summer all the time. My wife and I love strawberries. When I was a kid growing up in the 1970s, I loved strawberries then as well. But the only time you could get fresh strawberries in the UK was understandably, when they're in season, in the summer. But these days, with modern growing techniques and much more global transportation, you can get strawberries every week of the year. Hooray! The taste of summer every day. Forget about seasons. But when we look at creation, we see that God works through seasons. Spiritually, there are seasons. There are times when things are obviously going really, really well, and there's a lot of fruit. And there's other times when things seem to die back. If you think about a deciduous tree, it blossoms in spring, brings forth fruit in the summer or early autumn, but then its leaves wither and fall to the ground. And by January, February, it's completely bare. But what is happening during those seasons? There's growth and maturity. The tree is getting another ring around its trunk. In autumn, it's still growing, and actually for much of a UK winter, trees are putting their roots down deeper. They're growing and they're maturing through the difficult times. I think sometimes we expect the spiritual life to be summer all the time. Strawberries every day, but each season has a purpose. A writer called Parker Palmer writes this, we want light without darkness, the glories of spring and summer without the demands of autumn and winter. In my own experience of autumn, I am rarely aware that seeds are being planted. Instead, my mind is on the fact that the green growth of summer is browning and beginning to die. I know that for many of us, the last year has been a really, really difficult season. Personally, I found it pretty tough, some of it. I realized that some of my identity as a Christian 
was based on my role. Praying with people, ministering to them, and suddenly it's taken away for months. Now, everybody involved in online church did a fantastic job. Actually, could we give them a round of applause? Because the people worked so hard. But it just wasn't the same as being, being together. And spiritually, for me, it felt like winter. It felt like everything's been stripped back. I had to ask myself some tough questions. I had to seek God and pray through some things like ensuring, have I got the right motivation? What is my identity based on? Is it based on what I do in church or is it based on my identity in Christ and my acceptance? And I had to ask myself some pretty tough questions and pray through those things. It was winter, but I put down some deeper roots. I also put another ring around my trunk. <laughs> you see, I, it's not that I've, I've put on weight over the pandemic, it's that I've grown in maturity. Yeah. <laughs> These tough seasons are not purposeless. James 1 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance follow its work finish its work, sorry, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We aren't joyful because of the trial, but we can be joyful that the trials we go through produce something lasting in us. It's not just, oh, we've had a year wiped out through the pandemic. No, God has been working in my life during that time and he has produced something. It was tough, but there's a perseverance that's been pushed through. It's been a tough year and all of us need refreshment. So on Tuesday evenings at 7.45 here for the next five weeks, we'll be having evening meetings here at the centre. It will be a time of worship followed by praying for one another. Come and get refreshed. Come and be prayed for. Receive a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. That came out in our worship, didn't it? It's been a dry time. Come and be prayed for. Lastly, the Creator will make all things new. Adrian, if you could, and the band could come up. Now, you may say, yes, I can see many things about nature that are wonderful. But also, when I look around me, I see a lot of suffering in the world. Not everything is good. And I'd agree with you. What the Bible tells us is that while God made everything very good, very tov, men and women disobeyed God and went their own way. And that this caused all the suffering and the violence that we see around us and also impacted creation itself. God's creation was marred by human beings' disobedience and selfishness. All over the earth we can see actually that humankind is damaging God's creation. Yes, some people do more damage than others, but all of us have in some ways contributed to that problem. But just as we've all contributed to environmental issues, we actually all contribute to a much, much, much bigger problem. The Bible calls it sin, but if you're not familiar with that word, it includes us being selfish and doing things that hurt other people. Yeah, you might not have murdered anybody, but we've all said unkind things, done unkind things to other people, not helped others in the way that we should, and we've contributed to the overall problems of this world, and God will hold us accountable. But the Bible says that there is a redeemer who brings new life. And many of us here have become Christians and experienced God's forgiveness and a sense of our lives being made new through Jesus Christ. A bit like Genesis 1, God came to my life when it was barren and formless and then brought new, wonderful life. 
But one day, God is going to come and make a new heaven and a new earth and fully redeem things. Revelation 21 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among his people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Creation is beautiful. But the Bible says there's something even better to come. God's new heaven and new earth will be better. And for those who have accepted Jesus, there will be, he will come and wipe every tear away from our eyes. A writer called Andrew Wilson says, I don't know why God permits so many bad things to happen, but then I wouldn't expect to. I live in the confident hope that he will one day renew the world so that even the darkest and most terrible evils of this world will be undone and swallowed up in victory. And I can look at the face of Jesus and remember that whatever the reason for suffering, it certainly isn't because he doesn't care. Questions still linger and tears still fall. They probably always will. But in the meantime, though, I trust and hope.